So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at, at Marshall's. Marshalls. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is all over the major platforms. Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review where you get your podcast on your smartphone device. We're brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, Empower Federal Credit Union, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and Camille's Golf Club. Make sure that you go play Camillus this summer. It's a great place to play golf. The greens are amazing. The color, the landscape, the views, the whole deal at Camillus Golf Club. Memberships are available now. Go ahead and visit them online at CamillusHillsGolfClub.com. In the greater New York State, there's nothing better than golfing in the summer and fall. And uh, go play Camillus if you're looking to play a new course, the official golf course of the ML Sports Platter. Super excited to bring him on, NFL insider and writer for CBS Sports, Kevin Boylard on Twitter at Kevin Boylard. Kevin, welcome aboard, man. No off days in the NFL. How are you? Oh, I know, man, and we're already firing, and uh, it feels more interesting than other years, I think, because we got a little bit of a funky salary cap, we've got a bunch of cuts that came through, and uh, I think it's uh, going to be an interesting offseason from here on out. What's next for Drew Brees? That's a great question. I'm starting to think that... I know that there's people that want to think that he's going to come back, but if you saw the way he played, particularly in the last game of the oh, season, it, yeah. uh, in the playoffs against the Buccaneers, it, 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 he just doesn't have it anymore. Uh, it's not that the Saints can't win with him. They can, as they've proved in recent years, but they've also proved that they can win just as easily without him. They won games with Taysom Hill at quarterback this year. They won games with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback last year. If you look at the way their salary cap is set up and all the – you know, contracts that they've had to shed to get under the cap this year, uh, they're kind of counting on Drew Brees being a retirement and also being a post-June 6th retirement uh, because financially that's going to help them. So I don't know, maybe he's just kind of laying low for now and waiting until then to announce his retirement so that it can go on the books uh, accordingly for the Saints. But that also doesn't need to occur like that. The Saints can just designate him a post six June six retirement, even if he were to announce his retirement, you know, two weeks ago. So the hanging around, the waiting uh, is interesting to me, but ultimately I don't think we'll see Drew Brees on an NFL field next season. So another guy who's close to the same age as Drew Brees, but ain't going away anytime soon is, is Tom Brady. You've probably heard of him. Uh, the Buccaneers and Brady, they agree to a one-year extension now. It just came down through Ian Rappaport. Apparently, uh, it's going to give the team extra cap space while retaining him through 2022. Kevin, how long is Tom Brady going to play football? Uh, I mean, he's going to keep playing as long as he can perform at a very high level. I mean, he's coming off a Super Bowl victory, so I guess you could say he's still in his prime. There was statistical evidence that he's still playing at a very, very high level. He's a borderline top-ten quarterback. Uh, The Buccaneers have set him up for success. They're retaining Chris Godwin via the franchise tag. 
Uh, he's got other receivers that he likes. They got a bunch of other free agency questions that we'll see how they answer them. But, uh, I, I mean, he can win with the Buccaneers, and that's Tom Brady's biggest, uh, you know, need and what he looks for. He wants to win. And uh, he's set up for success moving forward. Um, and if you watched last year, it, it wasn't like there was much physically holding him back. He was uh, throwing the deep ball well. He still has the arm strength. He's not getting hit a ton. Uh, he never was a guy who was going to run and take a bunch of hits anyway. He's pretty smart about that. Uh, but for the last five years, we felt like, okay, this is the year where the game is going to catch up to him. And, you, you know, you can't be an old man playing this game for forever, but he is definitely redefining that. Speaking of the Buccaneers, Kevin, I mean, what does the offseason, you know, look like for them? Obviously, they'd love to, you know, keep Jack Barrett there. Uh, they're going to try to retain a bunch of players, of course, but... You know, this is life in the NFL. I mean, you 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 know, you win a Super Bowl, you finish in the Final Four, or depending on where you are, I mean, everybody has to look at the same thing. No matter if you have a ton of room, not a lot of room. If you're a winner, a loser, and that's the salary cap. So, what about the defending champion Buccaneers? Buccaneers do have a lot of questions, and I think there was a very interesting decision made when they put the franchise tag on Chris Godwin as opposed to Shaq Barrett. Uh, Shaq Barrett is probably their the most productive pass rusher. JPP is very good as well. Uh, it's kind of a toss-up as to who's the better pass rusher between those two, I think, at this point. But you know, they also have Nadamikin Sue facing free agency. Uh, I think that that's a guy that they would like to keep. Um, they did a good job locking up Levante David and getting him under contract. Yeah. Uh, but Gronk is going to be a free agent. Fournette's going to be a free agent. Antonio Brown. Uh, they've got some decisions to make. And uh, ultimately... As I mentioned at the outset, this is a weird year where there's going to be a lot of uh, cap casualties. Many of them have already come through. Uh, And then what's going to happen with all these veteran players? Are they going to be signing one-year deals, waiting for the salary cap to bounce back in 2022 to sign a long-term deal? If so, that sounds like we're going to have maybe a bunch of veterans out there who could potentially form what we know in the NBA world as super teams. Uh, Maybe the Buccaneers are already... Uh, kind of a super team in the terms of the game that they were able to lure and create the last year, and maybe they do it again this year. Uh, they already have a little taste of success doing that kind of thing. So uh, I like the Buccaneers to stay competitive, and I think Tom Brady's going to be you know at or near the top of his game again in 2021. The amazing Kevin Boyler talking some NFL here on the ML Sports Platter, CBS Sports NFL Insider, a must-follow on Twitter, the content terrific lately, Kevin, of course, by the way, so tip of the cap to you at Kevin Boylard. Um, I'm really, really intrigued by by a couple of teams in the NFL offseason as far as the direction uh, you know the, 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 that these teams go in. One of them is the Carolina Panthers because I think they've got with Matt Rule and a lot of the talent there I think Carolina could be in for not only an important offseason, but I think they could be a pretty darn good team moving forward. I mean, they were competing big time this year during a stretch of time. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Panthers do in the draft and in free agency. And the other team that I've got my eye on is Houston because of they've blown it up, Deshaun Watson not taking calls, etc. What's your read on those two clubs? Well, it's funny that you tie them together in this question because I do think that there, if there is a team that's most interested and maybe most capable of making a move for Deshaun Watson, it's the Carolina Panthers. They've been 
freeing up a ton of cap space as of late, and a lot of people have kind of uh, tied that to or, you know, drawn the conclusion that that is because they want to make a move for Deshaun Watson. Now, what that would that cost? Uh, it would cost any team a lot, a king's ransom. And I, when Deshaun Watson was first being talked about as, you know, being on the market and wanting a trade, uh, there was a lot of teams looking and pointing to the Jets or, or people talk, talking about him going to the Jets. Uh, and that didn't make a lot of sense to me because the Jets didn't have, you know, a great team. Deshaun Watson just had a losing season with a not-so-great team. So you put him in New York and you just take away all of the assets, uh, I feel like that's a lateral move. You know, he would be just as bad in New York. Carolina, on the other hand, is an up-and-coming team. Uh, they've got some pieces. They just spent all their draft last year on defense. They've got Christian McCaffrey as a solid running back. Now, would he be part of the trade? Maybe. Um, if you know the Texans, they love racking up running backs. So that, that seems like the uh, the dream candidate to be part of a, a, a piece in a trade for them. But uh, I'm joking. Uh, I think that uh, ultimately the Panthers, they've got to settle the quarterback situation. Deshaun Watson would be the dream fix. But if, it, if not him, they've got to make a move in the draft because I think they've um, – They've alienated themselves from Teddy Bridgewater a bit, even though they locked him up to a big contract last year. The Dak Prescott contract was absurd. I, I know that <laughs> there's some people out there who think, well, the Cowboys finally did something right. They got him. They kept him. Dak's a great dude on and off the field, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Like, I'm not disputing any of that, uh, that he's a good dude and that he can play quarterback fairly well. But he's not elite, Kevin. And you know, he's, he's not awful, but he's not elite. And I don't know if I trust him in the fourth quarter. And he hasn't won a playoff game. And they franchise tag the heck out of him till the cows come home. And then they finally give him the deal. And now probably going to be hamstrung on the back end. What does this signify moving forward for Dallas? And as a follow-up to that, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. How does this impact those upcoming decisions for those franchises? I'll agree with you that Dak Prescott, while he is the second highest paid quarterback right now in terms of average annual value behind Patrick Mahomes, he is not the second best quarterback in the league. But that's just the way quarterback markets and all markets go. Uh, you know, they're constantly one upping each other. And if you don't like that Dak Prescott is the second highest paid, wait a few months. Because as you mentioned, Lamar Jackson, uh, uh, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, even, are all eyeing up contracts. And now Dak Prescott is the benchmark. And it's only a four-year deal. It's not this ten-year, half a billion-dollar, out-of-touch, de- uh, you know, out-of-reach deal uh, like Patrick Mahomes got. That was never the benchmark, in my opinion, for what a quarterback should get paid. That was just a a freakish outlier deal that is kind of like what Calvin Johnson's deal was like when he signed that eight-year, two hundred million-dollar deal, however long ago that was. Now I will remind you, though, Jack Prescott has won a playoff game. Oh, you're right. Uh, after the 2018 season. So I actually do like Dak Prescott as a winner. As a pure, when you line these guys up, you you were having a combine right now of NFL quarterbacks, and you didn't know who any of these guys were. Um, You know, you just looked at a number and and watched them throw the ball and run around. You'd be like, that guy's an athlete, but he's definitely not one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the league. But you look at him on the field, he wins games. Uh, more often than he loses them, 42-27 and 27 regular season record. He's got a playoff win. Uh, his, statistically, he gets the job done, and he's a good running threat. Uh, he's got 24 rushing touchdowns through his first four 
uh, five seasons here. And uh, last year, he only played five games, four and a half, really. So, uh, ultimately, I think he is the new age quarterback. It may not look pretty. It may not be, uh, you know, Tom Brady, the reincarnation. Uh, but I think he's a guy that you can win in in this day and age. Win-win in this day and age. Yeah, right when I said that, I, I realized that I messed up. But, yeah, I, I man, it's going to be something else now moving forward. It seems like the... It seems like the market for the NFL quarterback isn't it almost like year to year at this point now? I mean, you know, or or every two years, right? Where the market just completely changes and it's okay. Well, this Mahomes got this, so this is going to happen. Now Dak gets this. Now it impacts these next three guys. You know, it, it almost feels it almost feels every year, two years ish at this at this juncture. It is very very much like that, especially because I think that you need a quarterback to win more than any other position. You're seeing more and more quarterbacks go in the first round, and then you're seeing more and more quarterbacks, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can just Josh Rosen it, like how the Cardinals did. <laughs> oh, Josh Rosen, we get one year, didn't work, we're going to move on to Kyler Murray. And I think more and more teams are going to be emboldened to do that, which is funny because that's what the Browns were doing year after year after year, taking high-round quarterback after high-round quarterback, and they just weren't working. They weren't hitting on any of them, and everyone kind of made fun of what they were doing. But now I think the whole league is going to do that stuff, hopefully better than the Browns did. But with all these first-round quarterbacks coming in and winning games and winning playoff games and the turnover being so quick and the parity in the NFL being such that uh, you know different teams are good uh, in, in given years, um, I think that you're right. There are going to be these new deals every single year. And look at the two guys I already mentioned, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Before this past year, you wouldn't be talking about those two that uh, – among the highest, right. deserving to be among the highest quarterback, the paid quarterbacks in the NFL, <laughs> and so quickly the narrative can change around these guys. All it takes is winning a playoff game here, being in the MVP conversation for half the season. I, I think that uh, ultimately these quarterbacks, the true test is what they do on their second and third deals. Uh, you see Tom Brady; he's done a great job taking team-friendly deals and remaining competitive deep into his career, deeper than anyone before him, and maybe anyone after him. These guys like Dak Prescott who, or, or, or Russell Wilson even, Deshaun Watson, who sign these mega deals and then are going to ultimately don't have the talent around them and then get upset that their, their teams are letting them down, so to speak. Well, you're, a lot of the salary cap is tied up in your contract. So, uh, you know, it's a two-way street. Does Bill Belichick have tricks up his sleeve? What's this guy planning? I, I, you can almost just imagine him sitting in his office, right, doing the, the Smithers uh, fingers back and forth and trying to compliment, uh, c- contemplate what to do. Uh, how about Belichick moving forward, the future? Obviously, he's probably peeved that Brady got another ring this time without him. Uh, what do you have for me in Foxborough? It's an entirely unfair comparison to compare Brady's success in year one with the Buccaneers to Belichick's success or lack of success in New England no year doubt. one without Tom Brady. However, it's an impossible one to not make. And I think with Brady winning the Super Bowl so fast, yes, that does motivate Belichick to to get his ship on the right track. And let's be honest, it's not like it was that far off the track anyway last year. Uh, he went 7-9 and nine with a quarterback who threw eight touchdown passes last year at Cam Newton. I think that they uh, were hit hard uh, in terms of COVID opt-outs. They had more COVID opt-outs than any other team, twice as many as every team except for the Browns. And they were big-name guys. We're talking Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, 
uh, Marcus Cannon. These are starters, Pro Bowl caliber players who right before the season said, you know what, I'm not going to play. And then they also got rated in free agency, but now they're loaded uh, free agency last year. Now they're loaded with the third most cap space heading into this year's free agency. Uh, they've got a decent amount of draft picks. they got the highest compensatory pick uh, from the, the loss of Tom Brady in free agency last year. Uh, and I think that this uh, this uh, Patriots team is, is looking to reload. It's interesting to me that they re-signed Cam Newton today uh, because we all saw he didn't look like a great quarterback. But Bill Belichick sees something in him. And I like the pairing. And... I think even though Cam, what he lacks as a passer, he was really good running the ball before he tested positive for COVID. I wonder if that just kind of derailed their season a little bit. And next year, if we have a normal season where people aren't uh, getting sick and missing games and all the other stuff that goes into the wacky 2020 season that we just had, if there's a bit more stability and they find themselves this uh, this offseason with the free agency in the draft and uh and they're a competitive team atop the AFC East again all right final final one for you here Kevin it's it's been great to have you on again chatting some some NFL um just the NFL draft in in general um give me what what you're looking for key storylines are you wrapped up in the quarterback stuff just have the floor sort of here on on the NFL draft going in and, and what you're kind of, what you're kind of eyeing. Well, this year's NFL draft, obviously the quarterback, as I mentioned a couple of questions ago, there's going to be more quarterbacks going in the first round of these drafts. I think moving forward, so long as the NFL keeps going this way. And a lot of people are talking about there being five quarterbacks who could potentially be selected in the first round. We haven't seen that since 2018. And that turned out to be a pretty decent quarterback class. Mm-hmm. And now those guys are looking to get paid. So I'm wondering who the hidden gem is in this year's quarterback class. And I'm starting to think that it's Mac Jones, the Alabama mm-hmm. quarterback who just won the national title. I mean, wow. his wide receiver, Devonta Smith, won the Heisman. But I think that he's pretty underrated. I mean, he was talked about as Tua's backup, you know, just the guy who's coming in to replace him. But Tua was the golden prodigy, you know. Uh, definitely would have been the number one pick if not for the hip injury, um, and, you know. And I think actually now that we've seen Tua for one year in the NFL, and now hearing what Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle have said that they actually prefer Mac Jones and think he's a better quarterback. People are comparing him to Tom Brady. I think it's a little bit of a bold comparison, but Mac Jones to me is super interesting, and I think that he may actually be, uh, you know the quarterback steal of this draft. I definitely think that Trevor Lawrence is is the sure bet at number one overall. Uh, I wouldn't advise the Jaguars to do it, to put any more thought into that. Um, and I and I also think Zach Wilson out of BYU is really interesting. But Matt Jones, to me, I, I got a feeling he could be a, a really good quarterback in this league if he lands with the right team. Isn't it, isn't it amazing, Alabama? I mean, Saban... Hey, there's another one. You know, I asked you about Brady and Belichick still going. These guys, the elite, the greatest of the greats, man. I mean, <clears throat> what Nick Saban's done at Alabama and the dominance and now all these pros, you could you could argue when this time of year comes around all the time, Kevin, you know, Alabama, you know, are they are they are they wide receiver you? 
Are they are they running back you? Are they now quarterback you because of Hurts and Tua and now Mac Jones? Like, are they defensive line you? I, it's just that program, the factory of football at that place, pouring into the NFL. I, I'm I don't even, I'm I'm out of I don't even know what to say anymore about it. Yeah, well, if they could become quarterback you, that'd be really interesting because they really haven't produced a top tier quarterback. It's the only position that they have, other than maybe kicker and punter. But uh, I will say, I think Mac Jones has the best chance of them. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua, uh, they'll get their shots this year, but ultimately, uh, I like Mac Jones and, uh, and uh, consider me the conductor of the hype train. <laughs> Fair enough. He does a great job covering the National Football League. CBS Sports, of course, at Kevin Boylard on Twitter. Make sure you get him. And uh, the Pick 6 podcast as well, part of that. So make sure you download, listen, and subscribe and, and leave that great feedback and, and uh, get Kevin on all things NFL. Thanks a lot, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right, folks. What a perfect time for me to tell you about Manscaped. That's right. This tournament season, take care of your hair and holes with the best tools for the job. We're talking about our sponsors, Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. When the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset. With the Manscaped performance package to keep all your hair and holes tamed, start taking care of your man parts today, 20% off, plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com and using code BRAWL for our exclusive offer. Terrific stuff there from Manscaped. ML Sports Platter, part of the Brawl Network, and uh, I I cannot wait to uh, bring in our our next guest here uh, of the program, one of the best writers and authors out there. Uh, you got to go check out the the definitive biography on Muhammad Ali. You can get him on Twitter at Jonathan Eig and JonathanEig.com. His books, his resume, it's just everything this guy does is amazing. His podcast is available as well. Definitely visit JonathanEig.com. And uh, we're, we're, we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Ali Frazier 1. And uh, why not bring Jonathan on to, to talk about that incredible boxing match, what happened afterwards to Ali, to Frazier, and uh, talk a lot more about the book here as well. Jonathan Eig, welcome in, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks. It's always good to talk to you. So, it, it look, I mean, Ali Frazier 1, man, 50-year 50, 50 anniversary the years just blow by, and and I think about events for me that were outside my lifetime. Where I say, "Man, you know, what would I rank? What would I pick? Something that I wish I could have seen. You know, whether it was in person or on television, to be alive for and watch this greatness." And you know, there's the Miracle on Ice. There's 1950s New York City baseball, right, with Willie Mickey and the Duke. Ali Frazier's up there for me, and, and I watched that ESPN special from from the beginning to the end. What do you think Ali Frazier means historically, Jonathan, for for someone who's written the definitive book on on Muhammad Ali, the bio? Oh man, <laughs> that's a big, big, big question. Um, I think it is the fight of the century for sure, and probably the, the sporting event I would choose if I could travel back in time and watch anything. Um, maybe not the most historically important um, sporting event of all time. You know, maybe you can make a case that Jackie Robinson's first game has more of an impact on the world. But in terms of um, you know the, the, the greatness of the sporting event itself, plus 
the combination of, of uh, impact and um, you know how it resonates um, in society, it, it's tough to top Ali Frazier because not only does it does it change uh, you know, the course of, of history and change our, our feelings about Muhammad Ali forever and, and mark his return after exile, you know mark his response, his his comeback uh, from being exiled by the U.S. government. It's also just an outrageous fight. I mean, you're not going to see too many um, heavyweights going toe-to-toe, throwing that many punches, um, doing that much damage. Two such fascinatingly different styles of boxers, um, you know, meeting in the ring. Um, it's really the styles that make the fight so great and the, and the sheer uh, force of, of, of will uh, for both men. Uh, I, I, I get excited just talking about it, as you can tell. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think... Just the, the the endurance, the stamina, the toughness of these two guys really showed in that fight. You know, in Frazier, it took him it took everything to beat Ali, especially the last couple rounds. He was really getting some shots in on on Ali. And then after that, though, I mean, Ali, you know, beat him twice, and and it kind of that match changed things for both fighters big time. Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, physically, neither of them were ever the same. And, uh, you know, and, and psychologically, I think they both realized that, that they had to beat the other guy. That this was, this was now, um, you know, personal, that, that their pride was on the line. And, you know, each one became, you know, Ahab to the other's Moby Dick after that. Um, but, but the endurance is phenomenal. You're right. Like, the fact that they're both still standing at the end of that fight is, is just ridiculous. Yeah, no doubt. Is, is there a point in time, do you think, after and we heard uh, even on the special and I didn't really know to the extent but you know what what injuries were there for Frazier and obviously Ali was like praying that he was going to be okay and you know I can't go on and fight if 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 Frazier something happens to him you know if he dies or something I can't go on and, and keep fighting but was there a moment you know through Ali's boxing life where Somebody compared to Frazier, because it's Ali Frazier, Frazier Ali. You know the rivalries through sports that we that we know and love, whether it's individual or it's or it's team based. Was there ever anybody who came? Cl- probably the answer is no. So I guess my question should be, who's number two, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. Somebody on that broadcast on ABC the other day said that they thought Frazier was the toughest opponent Ali had ever faced. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think Liston was a better fighter. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the styles matched up better um, for Ali with Liston. You know, Ali could beat Liston, you know, nine times out of ten because this, because his style just matched up so well against against Liston. But Frazier, um, I don't think he was as good a fighter as Liston, but, but he had the, the right skills and uh, the right style to, to beat Ali. So on that panel, Jonathan... Andre Ward was talking. He was really good. Mm-hmm. And he's a 2021 uh, Boxing Hall of Fame uh, inductee. Um, he's obviously had a successful uh, career. He's got 32 wins, 16 by KO. Uh, Olympic Games, he won gold in the light heavyweight in Athens you know, in 2004. I mean, he, he's... He's awesome. He's had a great career, and he was terrific on TV. But you know what happened? When I flipped that special on, I didn't know who the hell he was. Now, I am not a boxing freak. I love the history of the sport, 
I was into Tyson. I was into the Holyfield stuff. I, I'm, you know, I'm in, but I'm into the history of it. And I was into a little bit of it in the '90s, of course, because it was still, you know, a pretty good, a pretty good showcase. '80s, '90s, Sugar Ray Leonard, all that stuff. I had no idea who Andre Ward was. Um, and I follow sports like crazy. It's my entire life. It's all I do. You know, even in sport, I know who Danica Patrick is, right? I mean, I know who Dale Earnhardt Jr. is. I, I know, you know, I don't love those sports. I don't follow them. I don't talk about them a lot. But I know who those people are. I had no idea who Andre Ward is. What does that say about boxing? <laughs> well, it says that the sport has definitely faded. You know, most Americans now cannot tell you who the, who the heavyweight champ is. And Andre Ward was a uh, it was a middleweight and a light heavyweight, so that even makes it more obscure. Yeah. But um, you know, the sport doesn't hold the the place in American society that it used to. Um, you know, everybody in the world knew the heavyweight champ. It was like being uh, you know the king of sports in the nineteen. 50s, 60s, 70s, but that starts to change. I think you know, even you know, as Tyson is fighting, it's it's already fading. And um, by the time you know Tyson and Holyfield are done, I think that uh, you know boxing has slipped from its perch. And that's um, you know, that's just it's the way it is. I think in some ways it's because the sport is so brutal, um, and it, and because it's been managed in such a way that um, you know you don't really know who's in charge or who's the champ, and um, it's it's just lost its hold on us. Jonathan Iger, guest on the ML Sports Platter, chatting about the 50th anniversary, of course, of Ali Frazier, one at the Garden, and Jonathan has written the spectacular book on Muhammad Ali, the definitive biography. It's just simply called Ali, A Life, and the cover is just, uh, the cover is amazing. You stare at it. Ali, it's a young Ali with that that right fist right at it, um, like he's coming at you here, of course, major bookstores online where books are sold. It's a must-read. If it's Cassius Clay forever not no Muhammad Ali no name change no none of that if it's just Cassius Clay what happens to Ali Frazier uh, you know that's a great question if, if he doesn't ever change his name and his religion and he fights all through the 60s as Cassius Clay and he doesn't become a Muslim um, by the time Frazier comes along he may be past his peak he may be still you know good enough to beat Frazier um, I think he's in better shape, probably, because he hasn't been off for three and a half years. But on the other hand, um, you know, he would have taken a lot more punches. So who knows? Um, that, that they still would have been a, been a great fight because they're, they're, because their styles are such um, are, are so different, and they they, you know, they 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 square up really really well. But would we care about Ali as much? Would he matter as much if he hadn't um, been a political and religious figure of importance? You know, I say no. I say that he's just like Frazier. He's another great boxer. Hmm. God, it's it's just amazing to think about this kind of stuff. You know, your your book um, on Muhammad Ali uh, released what four years ago, I believe, in two thousand seventeen. And so since that time, Jonathan, when you know the fiftieth anniversary special on ESPN comes out, or more articles come out, more content, more shows, more this, more that on Ali or the big Ali Frazier fights, etc. What memories of writing the book? come flooding back to your mind, you know, cause I, I know on your website, you know, it, it, it's, it's chasing Ali, right? It's, it's, it, you know, your podcast and the book, it, you were five years chasing, you know, Muhammad Ali to write this book. I mean, what, what memories come back from that time period when you see content post book completion for you? <laughs> I'll never be finished with this book. It lives with me and Ali, you know, lives on with me. I had, 
such a great time researching this because I got to meet so many of the people who were who were the closest to Ali. I got to spend time with his wives and his children and, and his brother and the people who fought him. I got to go drinking with Larry Holmes and I got to spend time with George Foreman and, and, and I got to meet Ali. I mean, I, I chased him literally around the country trying to, to, to just talk to him and tell him about my book. And, wow. and um, in the end, he wanted me to read the book to him, uh, but he passed away before, before we could do that. Wow. So, um, you know, I feel like I, I had a great gift to, to get to um, have a little window into his life. All right, fi- final one for you here. You, you've you've also written Luckiest Man: The Life and Death of of Lou Gehrig, and it's I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf. Um, spectacular, spectacular book. What what did Lou Gehrig and Muhammad Ali have in common? Do you think how how were they similar? How were they different? Oh man, that is a nobody's ever asked me that before. They were totally different in terms of personality. Uh, Ali. Yeah needed attention like he needed air. Um, he <laughs> even from when he was a baby, he couldn't live without yeah. people noticing him. Scream, you know, he was screaming all the time for attention. Mm. Garrick wanted no attention whatsoever. Garrick was so happy that Babe Ruth was there to suck up all the attention because Garrick just wanted to do his job and be left alone. They, I don't think they could have possibly understood each other. Mm. But they both had a kind of courage, especially when the chips were down, um, you know, Gary, when, when he finds out he's ill, um, suddenly he's not afraid to, to be out in the public anymore and to make the greatest speech in sports history and to, and to share his, his fears and to, and, to, and, to, and to help others get through their hard times. And to me, that's what they have in common. They both have you know, incredible courage to, to stand up when, when times are tough. You know, when you get to the elite of the elite, you know, you get to the short list of these guys, Jordan, Ali, Woods, Gehrig, Ruth, you know, Montana, Federer, Venus, uh, and Serena, you know, all the elite of the elite, the real, real short list, your top threes, fives, Tom Brady's, top tens. I I asked that Gehrig-Ali thing because I think when it gets to that point with these great, amazing all-timers that... They, they they get into that category and, and there is a connection no matter what. You can always say that one, you know, Ali was similar to Tiger in this regard, but different in this regard, or Jim Brown and Bill Russell were similar here, but different in this regard. You know, I think I think you can always do that. And by the way, hey, just imagine Muhammad Ali with Twitter. Oh my god. <laughs> you imagine he that? Loved it. Oh man. You would have loved it. Um oh. but yeah, I think you're right. For any athlete to get to the top of their game to be the best in their sport, um, they they have to have a certain kind of drive, and, a, and and there's something that they can understand amongst themselves. I suspect that the rest of us more, mere mortals cannot understand. Hmm. Yeah, Jonathan Eig on Twitter at Jonathan Eig. Make sure you pick up that great book I mentioned on on Lou Gehrig, of course. But JonathanEig.com is the website. Online major bookstores, you get it. Uh, you're gonna love it. It's the Garrett book, of course, and and, and why I, I had Jonathan back on was to talk Muhammad Ali and uh, Joe Frazier, that classic first bout uh, at the Garden, 50 year anniversary of that, and Jonathan's spectacular biography on Muhammad Ali. It's simply called Ali: A Life. Online, where books are sold and major bookstores. Jonathan, always have appreciated our conversations and uh, wish you continued success. Can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks, I really appreciate it, and I enjoy talking to you. Perfect opportunity for me to tell you about our friends from DraftKings. Make sure you go over to DraftKings.com and create an account. It's the most exciting place to experience the sweat. Soccer, NASCAR, tennis, college football, college basketball, 
and a heck of a lot more. How is daily fantasy better on DraftKings? Well, you'll go figure out exactly what this thing is all about. There's 5 million people plus who have played DraftKings. People win money. People have fun. It's incredible. Get paid. Win big. Good service. Fun events. You name it. The testimonials are all there. DraftKings.com. Go create your account today. Daily Fantasy Sports with DraftKings. Go visit them online. Open the account at DraftKings.com. I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere else you get your podcast on your smartphone device. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports as well. Had a ton of fun talking with Kevin Boylard of CBS Sports and Jonathan Eig, the awesome author of Ali, A Life. Empower Federal Credit Union, Stanley Law Offices, and Bryant and Stratton College bringing you the ML Sports Platter. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. I haven't really woken up. Until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet... Hitting the gym. Avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our weekend special. Save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.